Autumn, the end of summer in the Northern Hemisphere. Nights draw in, the temperature starts to drop. Thoughts turn towards winter. Leaves on the trees soon start to change colour and start to fall. Quantities often so large they need to be swept up and sometimes burnt. Or maybe stored in bags. Hundreds of bags lining every room in the house, scattered on the floor simulating carpet, even roughly formed into a makeshift bed. The fixation with trees as a child became an obsession in adulthood and resulted in what some believe may be a ritualistic slaughter with bodies being placed in a hollowed out tree. This is the case of Matthew John Hoffman and this is Murder Me on Monday. Hello everyone and welcome to the Murder Me Monday podcast. I'm sick and I'm Cameron. Joined with me as mother. Hello. Go. <laughs> so the start of spooky season, folks. We're easing into it, but this case is all kinds of weird. Most of our cases are. And I missed a trick with episode two being... It was a Halloween one, didn't I? There may be mental illness with this one. It's highly doubtful, but also he may just be a wrong one. I apologise in advance. Yes, a dog dies. I would like to give the dog its name, but I can't find it. This is a case where things started to be digitised, but a lot has vanished or links are dead and I can't find the original court transcripts. So let's go with what I can find. Matthew Hoffman was born the 1st of November 1980 and grew up in a place called Warren in northeastern Ohio and moved to Knox County, an area of Ohio again, with his mother at age 17 when his parents divorced. That's roughly 115 miles or so away from where he was born. His mother does remarry, but there's little mention of them and no mention of siblings. He's described as six foot one, about 185 pounds and strong. Described by others who knew him as intelligent, but without a lick of common sense, which made me laugh. It's me, isn't it? <laughs> no. You... I'm, sl- I'm slightly taller than him, but I weigh the same as him. I'm thick as pig shit, but I'm quite nice. I think Is that what people said about him, was it? Well, they go a bit further. They say he's also just outright weird and odd. So at 19 or 20 years old, so roughly around the year 2000, he moves to a place called Steamboat Springs in Colorado and is living out of a motel. He gets himself a job working for a plumbing firm, but then just stops turning up to work. His boss was very disappointed and had hopes for him, but he just stops turning up. In in America, you, you don't just have plumbers. You can also get something called pipe layers. Yeah. So instead of someone that would come into the house and actually like fit a kitchen sink, for example, or a bathroom and things like that, it's people whose job is literally just to lay the pipe. I don't even know if they solder it. It's just a matter of they're the person that puts the pipe up through the house and then other people go in and actually do it. So when, so when you say that he's working at a plumbing firm, you might think a, like a, a plumber is a fairly lucrative trade. But if you're, a, if you're working at a plumbing firm, you might not be a plumber in America. This is true. I know their trades are much more segmented than ours. Ours, if you if you hire a carpenter in the UK, they can hang doors, they can put cupboards up for you, they can. But they're not a door hanger. Yeah. And there's there's so much stuff with plumbers in America. Those fuckers have to go under houses. That's, that's enough to make me peace oh. out from there because there's going to be spiders and stuff. I don't want to deal with that. Oh yeah, no, I've got no. I know it's spooky and it's, it's October, right? But no, fuck no, <laughs> yeah, no. I agree. I'm sick. I'm sick and I'm more angry than normal. Fuck that. No. So, as I said, he stops turning up to work and a couple of weeks go by. He's still at this motel and he's obviously running out of money. He decides to commit burglaries and he steals cars. And to cover all of that up, he sets fires. 
One such burglary, he later admitted he got obsessed over possibly leaving fingerprints behind. So what destroys fingerprints? 10 gallons of fuel and a match. It also ended up destroying two townhouses, damaging eight others and forced the evacuation of 16 people. He's caught and gets eight years in prison, serves six and is paroled. He moves back to Ohio, Mount Vernon specifically. Wait, so he so he stole stuff and then set it on fire and then got sent to prison for eight years, but only served six. Yes. We have covered cases of people that have murdered people and then done like two years in prison. I know. I know the idea is that if you set fire, stuff can happen and it could potentially be worse, but um, that, that uh, annoys me for some reason. Well, he, he sets the fires to cover up his crime scene and it, it does actually become a pattern, unfortunately, with this guy. He, he, he doesn't learn from this. So, as I said, he got eight years, served six. He moves to this Mount Vernon place in Ohio. It's a fresh start. Well, it could have been. That fire also landed him with a restitution order where he's got to pay back the cost of all the damages. Remember, two houses, damaged eight others, and all the rest of it. A little over $2 million. Was, so this is a, this is a video that's gone around on the internet recently of a woman that rear-ended a Lamborghini Aventador. Oh, dear. And I think she's in a relatively new Audi, but she tries to spin it like... She was like, do you remember when you reversed into me? And they've, <laughs> they've got it in video from my gas station nearby. She she just ploughed up this guy's ass, right? I, I don't know if it's the same case over here as it is in America, but when you have insurance, you're only covered up for a certain amount. It can only be up to like ten to twenty thousand dollars, and then he can he can privately go after her to recoup the money. Because if when you ring your insurance company and say, "Yo, guess what I just hit," they're gonna shit the bed. So I, I I'm not sure if it's over here we have like third party in fully comp, but yeah. what, but once you've claimed on it, you're sort of not held liable. I'm not sure if it's different in the states because I don't know how the insurance works over there. No, I I, I don't genuinely don't know on that one. The 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 problem in the UK is around personal injury claims. You will be insured, I would think, on most fully comprehensive policies. It's usually up to something like a million pounds. You're insured, say you hit that um, Lamborghini. Lamborghini. You would be insured for that. But then if they subsequently... Got whiplash or or someone inside was injured as a result, they're only... You can then be sued or the insurance policy can claim up to a million pounds for the compensation for stuff like that. I think that's why in the UK, at least, our insurance our insurance is way more... Comprehensive. And I, I know this is a thing from that, and we're talking about the price of his house, the price of the house that he'd burnt down, making two million pounds. But at that point, that's that's an insurmountable amount of debt. That's a mountain of you never being able to pay that back. Exactly. Yeah, two, well, $2.06 million it was. But somehow this guy, he does manage to get things together. So although he's paroled, he was living out of his car initially, now, I'm pretty sure in the UK, you have to get parole to an address. You can't just be, you're on parole. That's what go. halfway houses are for, though. Yeah, but he wasn't. He was living in his car. You have you have to have an address. No, I know, but th- that's what these things can do. It's almost like no-show jobs. You you have an official place to live, but there's, it's, it can only be like a one-bedroom house, but there could be eight people living there, uh-huh. just because that's an address. Right, I give you. I, I get you, okay. So he manages to get a job, and he even actually manages to buy a house, a 109-year-old house. So, again, we are in a situation where mortgage was very easy for him to come by. He finds himself a girlfriend who had a son, and they all moved into the house. He had even managed to pay back $4,600 of that $2.06 million of that restitution that he owed. All good. For a year, Yes. He managed to implode his life again. 
He had a job as a tree cutter. Originally, I had this as a tree surgeon, as we would call them in the UK, but this is a little bit different. And somehow he managed to make this manager really, un- his manager really, really uncomfortable. And the problems really started when he started bigging up his experience and qualifications to clients. And it just made this manager so uncomfortable, his work colleagues really uncomfortable. They'd had enough and they just fired him. Based on what you said at the start about him being obsessed with trees and leaves and shit, I, I know if you do what you love for a living, you, you never have to work a day in your life. But I can imagine he's sort of humping the trees as he's going up them. He's a, he's a tree surgeon, <laughs> he's a tree cutter, but he's like... Ugh. Yeah, I'll go into his his background with trees later on, what people have said about him. But yeah, it's decidedly odd and your little scenario may not be that far off. Did you say, when you said he got a loan on his house? or He managed to get a mortgage to buy a house. And how much did you say it was? I don't know how much it was. It was 109 years old, so it wasn't... But the age of America, though. So. Yeah, exactly. But he's... he's still managed to get a mortgage to buy a house and he'd only been working he'd only been out of prison for a year he'd only been working for a short time uh what year was this my estimate on time i would be about 2007 ish thereabouts Which is the, the height of the crash wasn't it the start of it yeah yeah uh back then they had something called ninja loans which, which is, um, were no income no job no assets that doesn't sound like ninja like that's, no. that's, that's, that's ninja. There's, anyway, <laughs> there's too many letters. And it, it means you could you could not have a job and the banks would give you money because they they would know that they then, you'd, you'd pay some of it back, but not enough. They then get the house when you can't make the thingy on it. They then keep the house and then you've accrued the debt. Yeah. That's what the banks would want. And then there was a way of banks are sort of printing this thing. And that's what happened with the financial crisis. That's why it fucked everything up. Was banks were lending out loans. This is this is what's happened, I think, with him. Yeah. Because just... he's already got this, this $2 million lien on him, essentially. Yeah. And then he's then got a, a mortgage on a house by himself. I don't know if you can prove income, but I think that's with these ninja loans. It's the, yeah, the no income, no job, no asset thing. And it's, it's how people that were like um, working at McDonald's were getting like hundreds of thousands of pounds of. Uh, mortgage things and never being able to pay them back that it was primarily known as subprime and it definitely was the american subprime market exactly as you say people that barely could pay rent were being asked to pay four times their annual salary as mortgage payments it was never it's ever a, and they would give a hundred percent of the loan amount as well in the uk it went uh, there were certain companies you could go um and get 120 percent of the mortgage why would you never need that well, the idea was you were going to buy a brand new house, you had no furniture, you had no, and you needed all the extra money to do it all. And people fell for it. People fell for it. They absolutely did. We didn't, but yeah. If the interest wasn't crazy, I could see how that would make sense. But it, it would be, wouldn't it? It would be something like 5% APR on the house. That was fine when it was those levels, but th- when the crisis hit, they had gone up to like 15%. Yeah, you're never going to pay that back. No. There's no way you can pay that back. That's like $30,000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, as I said, he'd, he'd managed to implode his life by getting himself fired. So he's got no income. Because he's been fired, somehow or another, he does manage to collect unemployment benefit. But his car's about to be repossessed. And it turned out choking your girlfriend was a bad thing. She refused to press Not charges. She consents. She didn't. She, no. re- she refused to press charges, but she upped, upped and left him at the end of October. And his house was about to be foreclosed on by this point as well. Oh, it's not like we saw that coming at all. It wasn't like that was predicted. He then really starts to seem to implode. His neighbours were so worried about his behaviour, he's swinging in trees. He's making what? hammocks 
and just... Sorry, I took a drink there. He's swinging in trees. I didn't, I didn't expect that. I don't know what... <laughs> I didn't expect him to be swinging it. Who can swing in a tree? Tarzan I'm, I... style. That's hard. That's yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> He's making hammocks and just hanging out in these trees and watching them. Apparently, there was actually only two trees in his backyard. And he would literally ha- make a hammock between the two of them or sit in the branches of the trees and just watch the neighbours. And it was so bad that they wouldn't actually let their children play out in their gardens if he was out there. They just were, he just freaked them out so much. They also said he wouldn't go to the shops to buy food. As I said, he was on welfare after losing his job. So maybe it was about saving money so he could keep his house. But it turns out he was trapping and killing squirrels in the garden and had been seen doing so. And it was known that he'd do an Elvis. So I don't know if there were collard greens with those, but yeah, that's what... What do you mean what... doing an Elvis? I'm thinking about dying on the toilet. I don't know what that... I don't remember doing an Elvis. One of Elvis's favourite foods was squirrel. Roadkill, basically, as we would call it. No, because roadkill doesn't mean a dead squirrel. That means something's been hit by a car. You, I'm sure, I don't think there's anything wrong with eating something like a squirrel. If it's a wild squirrel, you shoot it with a bow or an arrow or a small calibre rifle and then you kill and then you cook it and eat it. There's no difference between that and a rabbit, is there? theoretically but squirrels aren't big no but rabbits aren't that big either so and you can probably get like a decent meal out of a squirrel i don't i've never eaten one i don't know but and if if they're for free that's that's proper subsistence hunting isn't it it's he's killing the stuff he's going to eat i think the neighbors just found that really oh that'd be fucking weird you've got some nuts who are swinging from trees killing local wildlife you're definitely calling someone he's definitely going to kill people well his mother that's not normal (laughs) no exactly so his mother actually lives about eight mile away from Mount Vernon in a place called Howard. Now, early November 2010, Michael takes a sleeping bag and he goes and camps out in some woods, sleeping in a tree opposite some houses in Howard. He's like a cocoon, isn't he? It's like tucked up on, on the tree. Yeah. Hanging there. Yeah. Like a moth. In yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm picturing. Yeah. So it turns out he's actually less than a mile away from his mother's house. And he's specifically watching one house. He later said with the intention to burglarise it. 11th of November 2010, Howard, Ohio. Tina Herman's boss went to her house as she'd failed to turn up for work the day before, which was very unlike her, and the manager was worried. Tina lived with her son, Cody, aged 11, and her daughter, aged 13, and the family dog. She had an ex-boyfriend that seemingly was still on good terms with, and he was... Still living at the house, even though they'd split up. And I'm presuming that was because he was waiting to find somewhere new to live. These things happen. Now, the day before this, the Wednesday, the police had apparently turned up at Tina's house twice. They'd seen a light on and a pickup truck, but no one had answered the door and had seen nothing obvious wrong. So they left. No, I don't know who called them or why. Thursday, this manager couldn't get an answer at the door but she was sufficiently worried enough that she managed to find an open window round the back of the house and she climbed in. There was no sign of them in the house, but what the manager did find alarmed them so much that they did call the police. There were beer cans strewn about, almost indicating a party, which was not Tina's way, she knew, and what was later described as a significant amount of blood. Please turn up. Tina's pickup truck should have been in the drive, but it's missing. But there's a different car in the driveway. They don't know who this is, so they run the plates. The ex-boyfriend is very quickly ruled out. He was, he was known to have left on the Wednesday the 10th and spent the night at a friend's in another town. The alibi was solid 
and it became apparent that a close friend of Tina's called Stephanie Sprang was also missing. This was who the other car in the driveway belonged to. The children were also known to have been at school on the Wednesday but didn't turn up on Thursday the 11th. Authorities find Tina's truck that night in a place called Gambia, which is about five miles away from Tina's home. Police find, also find items at Tina's house that, that they knew had been brought into the house. There were bloodied gloves left in a sink, empty Walmart bags with receipts for a large tarpaulin and rubbish bags. Some places said the tarpaulin and 55-gallon rubbish bags are in the Walmart bags already, as if they were in the house. But anyway, I don't believe that because they hot foot over to the Walmart and asked to check the CCTV. They spot a guy on the films buying these items and they follow him through on the CCVT. On the what? CCTV and follow it through to the car park and they see the vehicle he was leaving in, a Toyota Yaris. And they get the licence plate off to the DMV. Lo and behold, it's registered to Matthew Hoffman. One officer remembered talking to a Matthew Hoffman earlier, right where they'd found Tina's abandoned truck. He told them that he was waiting for his girlfriend to get off work at a local inn. And the conversation went something like, well, who's your girlfriend? And he replied, well, I don't know her last name. We've only just started dating, but her first name is... And it was actually the same name as the girl who was missing, along with her mother, her brother and the friend. Now, hold that thought. This investigation is done over a couple of days and it takes time to sort out warrants and the like. But four days after finding the bloodied scene at Tina's house, SWAT make a grand entrance with a flashbang and find Hoffman lounging on the sofa in his house in Mount Vernon. They take him down, obviously, and he asks the officers, what's going on? They respond with, you tell us. And that's it. Nothing more is said. He clams up and he's taken away. SWAT and the police start to look about and they notice leaves all over the floor in the living room area, as I mentioned in the opening. They were actually on a 14 foot by 14 foot tarpaulin and they were piled three foot high. They check the house out. There were so many bags of leaves, they were terrified the missing people were hidden under them. They found three floor-to-ceiling rows of bagged leaves hanging on a living room wall, so it's three deep. They, they're poking at these huge piles of leaves with sticks and such to see, and then we get more and more... What, to see what's going to fall out of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. They found a bathroom completely insulated by more than 110 bags of leaves attached to the walls. The bags covered the mirror and they surrounded the toilet. The freezer in the kitchen held two unskinned squirrels, four red popsicles, what we would call ice pops, and nothing else. But they found a basement that had the door barricaded shut. And down in that basement, they found the daughter, aged 13. Bound, gagged, wearing a white rubbish sack with holes cut for her legs, so think like a plastic nappy contraction, lying on a blanket, laid over leaves, which was forming a crude bed. I'm sure that you can actually imagine what Matthew had been doing with her for a number of days. As I said, they hoiked Matthew away and they start questioning him at Knox County Sheriff's Office. 15 minutes into the initial questioning, he lifts his hands, which were cuffed together, 
and he thumped his chest with a fist. He was asked by a detective if he was heartbroken about what had happened and he shook his head, indicating no. Is he just not talking then? Yes. So he's like a... He's, he's swinging on trees and he's thumping his chest. You can see where I'm going with this. Yes. Okay. Yes. Hold it. Hold it in. I, I, have, I have comments. <laughs> I, I have comments. Go on. He was then asked if he had had his own heart broken and he said nothing. He just didn't... He didn't nod, shake his head, nothing. He just sat there for four hours until the tapes ran out and the police gave up. Thursday the 16th of November... Hoffman talked to a special agent from the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Identification and Investigation, OBCII. And I'm like, what a flipping mouthful that was. It's the where he meets him, it sounds what we would think of as like a toilet cubicle. And allegedly, the conversation went something like this. Are you recording this? No. I had a nightmare. And then Matthew goes into weird details about being in a food processing plant and opening bags and finding dismembered body parts. So I read that and I thought, food processing plant, body parts, not animal parts? Okay. It's a nightmare. You, you, can't, you can't apply logic to a nightmare. You can't apply this logic to the guy that fucking lines his house with leaves and swings off trees. That rhymed. <laughs> I, I was thinking it was all a part of Buncombe anyway. Then it, there was no nightmare. But anyway... He then goes on to say, I want to tell you what happened. I'll write it down and tell a lawyer where the bodies are. You let me escape and then shoot me. And then when I'm dead, the lawyer will tell you where to find the the people. I can't live with myself and I'll kill myself in jail. So it's the only way you will find out. I'm a monster and I don't want to be injected with Thorazine for the rest of my life. That was the end of that conversation. Thorazine is for treating schizophrenia. So hold that thought as well. There's two thoughts being held now. Have you answered the first one? Or is it getting too much to juggle? Yes, it's getting too much to juggle. Okay. Right. So, obviously they said no to his proposal. And then he turns around and says, conversation didn't happen. So it's hard to prove without evidence, which is what, is one, which is what he wanted, is why it wasn't a formal interview. So this t- whole time, hundreds of locals, members of Tina's church, etc., are forming search parties and frantically looking for her, her son and her friend. Matthew sits there for two days. Then he decides to talk, but only if the death sentence was taken away and the families agreed, obviously wanting their relatives back. His confession goes, I slept across the street from the house that night in a sleeping bag. I woke up at daylight. The two vehicles that had been parked outside the house the night before were gone, so I slipped in through the garage door, which was ajar. There was a certain amount of excitement in being in someone else's home without them being there. I was looking for anything of value that could be carried out easily. After about an hour, Hoffman said, he found nothing worth stealing, which led me to think, well, what burglar takes an hour to look for something to steal? Normally it's in and out as fast as possible, but okay. And he said he was about to leave when Tina returned home. He hid in a bedroom and claimed he couldn't escape without jumping out of a window. Why he still didn't jump out of the window, I don't know. He didn't. He he had a blackjack and a knife which he'd brought, which he said was for a certain amount of intimidation. And he confronted Tina. They fought. Tina wasn't going to back down. And Matthew knocked Tina to the bed face down. He said, I hit her a couple of times in the head with the blackjack, but this would not knock her out. 
It was not doing the job and I started panicking. What is a blackjack? You've said that word twice. So I don't know what it means. It's like a small club. Uh, why anybody would have it, I don't... You've only got it for one reason. To hit someone with. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, he's he's got Tina on the bed um, and he's panicking. And in, this is where he says that Tina's friend, this Stephanie Sprang, arrived. And he said he got no idea how she got there, what she was doing there and how she gained access. Well, she walked through the front door. Stephanie's yelling at him and he said there was now two to deal with him and I didn't know what to do. He grabbed his knife, which he hadn't mentioned he'd bought online a few days before. And he stabbed Tina, who was on the bed, through her back twice. Stephanie's screaming. She runs into another room. Matthew chased her and stabbed her several times in the chest. He went back to Tina and stabbed her several more times. I could then tell that both women were now dead, he said in his confession. He then described himself as being in a state of shock. He killed the family's dog for barking at him and then tried to work out what he was going to do. He then goes on to say that he had the two bodies in the bathroom and was dealing with them and then the children came home from school. So in America, they finished school much, much earlier in the day than in the UK. So if, the, if Stephanie and Tina had been at, his house, had been at her house between 8 9 o'clock in the morning, this is probably midday to early afternoon. So he's not just been sat around for a couple of hours with these bodies, okay? So he confronts the children as they walk into their own home. The girl instantly ran to a bedroom. He said he stabbed the boy in the chest, 11-year-old, a couple of times. He chased after the girl, managed to get into the bedroom, and he, he was more bothered that she wasn't on a phone calling the police. And then he couldn't bring himself to kill her. I would not have hurt her. I could not have hurt her, he said in his confession. He'd already killed two women and the boy and the dog. As you can imagine, I have a lot of comments throughout this, but I haven't said anything. Yeah, okay. I, I couldn't hurt her. These things have escalated really, really quickly, haven't they? I, he broke into her house. She came home. He killed her. Her friend came home. He was shocked. Her friend was home. Uh, not be funny, mate. I'm shocked you're in someone else's house. Why you, Why have you got a surprise chicken, P Pikachu face? Yep. When you okay, and then yeah. and then I panicked, and then killed her. Okay, and then it killed the two kids. Okay, well, killed the kid. Okay, then the dog for no fucking reason, and then they couldn't. He couldn't bring himself to kill the daughter. What? Why not? I mean. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, using an electrical cord from a fan, he tied the girl up, according to him, and left her in the kitchen. It appears she never saw the rest of the house, which apparently was like a crime scene from a horror movie that came out afterwards. So Matthew told investigators that he'd left the house in Stephanie's Jeep Cherokee, which was, you know, on the driveway, with the bodies. They've got quite a big back, so I can almost imagine that. And the girl was loaded inside as well. Now, it seemed that Matthew moved quite quickly that night, according to him. He rigged pulley equipment. He left the girl. He left the girl. He, took, he went to his home. He left the girl at his home. And then he went to get this pulley equipment together and he then drives off to the woods with the bodies in the back of Stephanie's Jeep. At various times, he said he used different vehicles in his own, this Toyota, Toyota Yaris, which is not a big car. 
Tina's Ford pickup truck and Stephanie's Jeep to move around. And he says he walked from one location from one location to another twice, as well as riding his bike. And I'm, I don't believe a lot of that. I, when I worked out the mileage, I don't think it's remotely possible. Hoffman's attorney provided the confession on November the 18th in exchange for a guilty plea and removal of the death penalty. The bodies of the missing three plus the family dog were found in a 60-foot tall hollow tree near Fredericktown in rural Knox County. This is 19 miles away from Tina's home in Howard. Looking at the map, you have Howard, the home, then Gambia, where the Tina's truck was found, and the nature reserve, and it's sort of a large triangle, and I just don't think he could, he certainly couldn't have done it on a bike, I don't care what he says. And notice it was a tree, it wasn't a log. This is why he had the pulley equipment. They were all dismembered and packed in plastic bags, the dog included. In addition to murder, Matthew also pled guilty to aggravated burglary, sexual assault, kidnapping, tampering with evidence and three counts of abuse of a corpse. He never spoke in court as he, according to his lawyer, was afraid he would break down. The girl, the survivor, testified against him. He received nine years each for his guilty pleas to burglary, kidnapping, sexual assault, four years for tampering with evidence and 11 months for the abuse of a corpse. The sentences will run concurrent with the life sentences for murder. He was sentenced to life without parole on the 7th of January 2011, almost exactly two months after the murders. It's a really quick turnaround for that, isn't it? That's, that astonished me. I'd, I'd looked at that and I thought, that can't be right. Worked it back. Yeah, it was. It's just convenient he was caught so quickly from when that happened. Yeah. He's basically caught in the house as it was happening. Not far off. But there's so much of what he says doesn't add up to the evidence. The prosecutor, which we'll get into later on, the prosecutor believes his story. The police do not. The families do not believe his story at all. So that's the end of the case. We'll go and grab a cup of coffee and come back with the case autopsy and a short recap in a couple of moments. See you soon. And we're back. So a quick recap. Mother, son daughter, dog, family friend, all vanish. Matthew Hoffman killed all but the daughter who he assaulted over a number of days. Leaves, lots of leaves. Oh, he also told the daughter he wasn't acting alone. There were six people involved in this whole thing and basically she'd better watch it and she can't ever escape. It later came out that he thought by giving the girl hamburgers he was taking care of her. (laughs) He gave her a book to read um, and watched Marvel movies, the Iron Man 1 and 2 with her, after assaulting her, of course, and he somehow thought he could keep her for long enough. He could then release her and it would all go away. He had told her that he would release her by Christmas and he was actually in ransom negotiations with her family. They were not a wealthy family. Why? He? But she was only 13. I don't know, was it Stockholm Syndrome ideation maybe? Six people wouldn't let her go? Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to make up that you're you're not going to get away and there's no chance, don't even try. You're going to say that there's a, there's a large scheme, aren't you? You're going to say there's loads of people outside. There's lo- it's not just me, some nutter obsessed with leaves. The only mitigation he actually offered was that it was a burglary that went wrong. 
doesn't explain the sexual assault really does it it escalates how many times you hear it of someone breaks in and then they went in there with the full intentions they've got no history of violent crime they panic and kill someone but then he panicked like three times and then killed the dog yeah and then did all this other stuff i think beyond that it's no longer panic is it no yeah you, you can't you can't act. panic to that level correct yeah he also liked fire other neighbors said that he often used to have bonfires in his yard at his house he set that apartment block on fire Pyromania never seems to have been explored with anything with him. He used it to cover up crimes rather than a need for the flames or the drama, was my thought with that one. Now, I talked about Thorazine. This is the drug for schizophrenia. He said he didn't want to be injected with it. Apparently, he'd never been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Hasn't been to this day, as far as I can tell. But he knew enough, maybe, to know that his behaviour was off and maybe he was ill. Maybe he thought he had it and was scared. I don't know. He knew enough to know that this drugs that's used on extreme cases and injected with due to compliance issues usually. I don't know if that was game playing or, or, or what it was. He's probably been told throughout his life that because he's quite odd or various people that he's worked with that because he's a bit mental, he should probably be on this thorazine. Yeah. So he, that, that's why he's probably aware of it rather than him having looked it up beforehand to think, oh, this can be an excuse because I can get away with being mental. People have probably told him he should be on this stuff in the first place. Yeah, uh, true. Again, going to what happened after this, because it was such a fast case, there was very little... There's been doesn't appear to have ever been any mental health evaluations done on him, certainly by his defence or by the prosecution, because they had a guilty plea. They didn't really go into it. But many... A lot of this came up afterwards. There were TV shows and obviously documentaries that have been done that have mainly disappeared. And there were a number of ologists that remotely diagnosed him. But there's nothing definitive. They all agree he has massive issues, but none of them can agree with what was wrong with him. There are a lot of instances of it, and it's very childlike, which goes back to how the neighbours described him, how old acquaintances described the daft childlike things that he would do. But he was never diagnosed with a learning difficulty either. He's described as intelligent. So was he mentally ill? I don't think he was. He was odd, eccentric, it would have been called years ago, going by the life of burglaries. Being eccentric usually means quite harmless, though, doesn't it? When, some, when someone's eccentric, that means they usually like to wear a big hat or they've got a dog they've spray-painted pink. So, or Everyone's got a town. So everyone's got someone in a town that, that is like this. We had one. Yeah. Someone that would walk around, in, regardless of the weather, in a leather jacket, a weird hat, he'd carry a guitar with him everywhere, and he'd play music, and he's just the eccentric weirdo that probably isn't dangerous yeah that's someone that's eccentric this guy isn't eccentric is he it, it's it seems like a like a paganistic ritual almost to to kill people and stuff them in a tree like that now I, I think paganism is defined as something that's a it's a part of a religion that's not part of the the mainstream or like the populace yeah. so i guess if like a pagan religion were to become big enough it would no longer be pagan it would just be a religion i think the yeah. way in the way that it would work so he's obsessed with trees, which is a form of dondophilia, which is a, which is a, no, it's a paraphilia. Paraphilias are like sexual attractions to stuff that's like not inherently sexual. So like, you wouldn't expect it to be a sexual thrill. Yeah. So yeah. It, I'm not saying stuff like feet, right? I don't like feet personally, but that, I don't think that would, I don't think that would count because it's, <laughs> is that part of the human body or something like that? So you, you could. It's inanimate objects, isn't it? No, that's objectophilia. Oh, They're different. Like, shut up. And the other one could be something like um, earlobes. So if someone likes an earlobe, that's a paraphilia because the object itself 
or the body part itself isn't sexual. It's like if someone was like super attracted to hair, long yeah. flowing big hair. Yeah. Because that in itself isn't sexual, but it's you've sexualized it. But this thing with a tree, I th- it, it's called dondophilia, which is obsessions with trees. And the objectophilia is when people are, you hear about people that marry Ferris wheels. Yes, and and bridges and yeah, yeah. With that, I could kind of, I can't rationalize it, but like, you know, you've, you might have had an attachment to like a physical object. For me, it would have been like a teddy bear as a kid. Like you do love that teddy bear. Yeah. I think it might be something like that where you've not quite grown out of it. And then, so you know, if you talk to yourself sometimes, because you, because some people, everyone does, right? Everyone talks to themselves. I'm usually like, you're, <laughs> I'm like, you fucking idiot. Why have you done this? When I do something wrong. It might be that you start talking to yourself, but you you direct what you're saying to an object and that object then becomes the focus point of what you're saying. And then you can form a connection to it quite weirdly. And if you're prone to stuff like that, I mean, this guy got a job cutting down trees, right? And then he got sat because he's being fucking weird. Yeah, I, the neighbours actually describe him. They say that he, there was only two trees on his property and they describe him going out into the local woods and coming back with bags of leaves. So they had seen him doing it. Now, I'm going to admit something again that you'd have never known. Many, many, many years ago, we lived in a house, brand new built property, but the soil in the garden wasn't of good quality for growing plants. But it was very close to woodland. And I'd read somewhere that uh, leaf mulch would improve the soil. So, yes, I was that weirdo early on a Sunday morning going over and coming back with a couple of bags of leaf mould and digging it into the garden. But I had a genuine reason for it. I didn't hang it in the house. Yeah, it's just really strange. It's, it couldn't keep the, hold these jobs down, but he seemed to think that burglaries were an easy life, which they're not. How do you go about fencing the stuff that you steal? Very, very easily. And I, I know pawn shops, when they accept them, they usually, they, they ask you like, either prior proof of purchase, and then if you do manage to sell it at a pawn shop, and then it's a, and the police manage to go to the pawn shop, they can then take it back, and so that means that the shop itself is out of money. But you can face it like that. You can sell it to anyone you don't, you know, you don't know what connections he's got. You might sell it to a mate. And most burglaries that happened happen aren't solved people don't, they don't get looked into so most of the time it is just people do just steal stuff because they're not going to get in trouble for it true but he's a fucking idiot again and for some reason spends an hour in this person's house i couldn't you, find you, anything you usually go straight to electrics and you yep. steal stuff like that it's, it's electrics where you go to their bedside cabinet or car keys or, or something or look under their bed yeah jewelry you don't you don't wander around the house for an hour for no. an hour an that's hour is a long time that's why i don't believe his story police say as well that Tina had told friends that she felt she was being followed or watched for days before this actually happened. So he's hanging in a fucking sleeping bag outside of her house, like a cocoon weird thing, like a Pokemon, for fuck's sake. <laughs> he's, just, he's just in his weird little tree nest thing, surrounded by trees wanking, staring at someone's house. I don't think you're wrong. The prosecutors didn't, didn't think this was a thing, but I think, yeah, I didn't, definitely do think it was. Maybe he did only want to burglarise the home, but why? As I said, she was at the time, she was a single mother. He wouldn't have known that because the boyfriend was living there, but he was an ex-boyfriend. They wouldn't have had a lot. She worked at the local Dairy Queen. His reasoning, only he knows. As we said, the daughter, we think, was pure opportunity. He's never asked for forgiveness or said he was sorry. All he's come out with is that I did not enter the house to kill these people. I did not know a single one of them. I did not know their names and I did not know who all lived at the house. I did not plan for any of this to happen. He also claimed he used garbage bags from inside the house. But again, the police went to track him at Walmart for the video. So I think... I think that is a minor detail though. I don't think that says anything. The prosecutor said he believed Matthew's story that the home was chosen at ransom and this was a burglary. At ransom? 
sorry, random, apologies. The home was chosen at random and it was a burglary gone very, very wrong. Nobody else believes that. Police don't believe it and other people in the community don't believe it. When I was younger, we used to watch a TV series called Grimm. Yes, very. And I don't know how popular it was at the time, so I don't know how many people that are listening to this will know what I'm talking about. Basically, it's a retelling of the old fairy tales or old yes. stories. They are, they're, they're kind of human, but they don't look like it from straight away. That's why a lot of people conform to certain types, like short, fat people might be like these type of beasts that are like beavers, right? But it was it was based on the stories of, of the Brothers, Brothers Grimm. Grimm. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was only people that were descendant of the Brothers could Grimm see them. could right. see them, yeah. If this was a case in that show, yes, he, he'd, he'd definitely be one of those things. It's it. He seems like he's like a not a troll, but do you know what I mean? He's like a mythical creature that's oh. done this. He's built like a burrow and a den. He lives in trees. He tried to break into people's house to survive, and then because if he'd done that, and then he escaped, and then he lived in the the woods for years, and that's what he kept on doing. But he was obsessed with trees and blah blah blah. He himself is like a folklore tale where you get this weird tree fucker that breaks into your house. If you find you, he'll kill you and stuff you in a tree and then run away again. Do you know what I mean, he, he sounds like yeah. a creature. Like, you could twist that over the years to be a supernatural. Like, you've got to eat your veg or tree fuck I will get you. Now you know why I picked this case yeah, for spooky it, it, season. It sounds weird. And then I, I say stuff like this and make people go, oh, yeah, that is weird. The police think his end game was that he was going to steal her truck, drive off into the sunset with it, leave her back, leave the girl back at his house, which was go, going into foreclosure. And they believe which I know you don't, Cameron, that the leaves were going to be an accelerant to set the house on fire. It's just because I think there are better options for leaves. Sorry. There are better options to start a fire with than leaves. And considering his obsession with leaves prior, he might see them as the weird little tree babies and he might not want to set them on fire. Especially after that grim reference, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's building a nest. I mean, he let the girl sleep on it and things like that. I just think there are better options than leaves, I think. Yeah. Now, that, that hollowed out tree, this 60-foot high tree which he'd got all his repelling and poly gear up to put them in from a height. They would never have been found if he hadn't have led them there. There's no way. This sounds like a lot of effort. I don't know if other people are listening, but this sounds like so much hard work. I just couldn't be asked with this. Well, I just could not be asked. It, it just—it sounds too convoluted for me. I, w- I wouldn't be bothered. Right. Remember say, me saying... He's got a pulley system and he's hanging people from it. Fuck that, no. Well, it was bags, wasn't it, unfortunately? It wasn't full people, yeah. Going back to what the police think actually happened, they think he hollowed it out. It wasn't a dead tree like it had been struck by lightning and something. They must have had something to go on for that supposition that maybe there was tool marks with it or something. This was a tree out on a nature reserve, out in the middle of nowhere. Remember, he Tina thought she'd been watched for, you know, days and days beforehand. I think all of this was absolutely planned. It was an escalation for some really weird whatever. I don't, I don't know. So you think he he excavated or hollowed out this massive 60-foot tree? Yeah. I, I Again, I don't think that's true. He's not going to have the tools to do stuff like this. I know he spends a little time in the woods, so you'd think he might have the opportunity to. But if it's an entire nature reserve, it's probably not hard to find a tree that... I, I, I'm going purely off like it's a ritualistic thing, or he's just obsessed with them. So for him, putting them away in his tree... Might be a good thing. They're then getting a part of nature. You don't know what he's following. Exactly. He might actually be fully psychotic and uh, you completely are... disconnected from reality. 100% right. But... Or a fairy tale character. <laughs> Why the police seem to think he had ex- he'd hollowed some of this tree? Maybe he'd only hollowed, I don't know, four or five foot out. Maybe it was rotten. Maybe it was dead. But it wasn't 
what I'd initially thought was a log lying on the ground that had hollowed out by nature over time. It was an upright tree, 60 foot tall. If anyone's ever cut a tree or pulled a tree out of the ground, it's a lot of work. So how much work it would be to have to hollow out a tree like that now. That sounds like so much effort. Well, the whole time when I when I knew, I knew about this case from the leaf as- aspect. Actually, he was a tree cutter surgeon type person, wasn't he? So you yes. might have actually had access to the tools. That's what I thought. So that might be a reason why. But why would he have left the tree like that and hollowed it out if he loves them? So, if he loves them so much, I don't know. It's kind of confusing now. I'm but like sure. you say, it's completely psychotic. Maybe he was going to put them in the tree to. I don't know, give the tree life. So rejoin the earth, something uh, weird. Who knows? Yeah. But this tree bit, that ended up reminding me of this really, <sighs> really weird case. It's called Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm? And it's a case that's never been solved, and it's probably one we won't cover for that reason. I hate unsolved. 1943. Skeletonised remains were found by children in Hagley Wood in Worcestershire in the UK. This body was head down. No one knew who it was or how or why or anything. And then graffiti appeared the year after locally with those words, who put Bella in the witch elm? And it's still a huge mystery. That, again, sounds like a folklore tale, doesn't it? Who put Bella in the witch elm? It's got, it's got a ring to it. It could, it could be a, an album name for, for Iron Maiden or something, doesn't it? it it's, <laughs> and especially the pictures that I'm looking at. You've got this skull with what looks like hair or moss on it. It's being held up by this hand, and above that you've got a, a monument or a statue, which, which is, whatever reason, has a very modern caution sign on it, and then it says we'll put Bella in the Witch Elm. It, it sounds like it's, a, again, a weird little ritualistic Halloween-y story, doesn't it? Yeah, nobody knows where the, where the graffiti came from. Was she, was she down head first, did you yes, say? Yes, she was wedged in there. She could have gone, if she's wedged, she might have gone in there herself. That's what they don't know. You don't know if she's high off her tits and Bella dove in head first. Yeah, yeah, he's abs- Absolutely. Well, the girl in our current case, she went to live with her father and stepmother, got into therapy, set up a survivor's group, and then it all went a bit wrong in 2013 and there were allegations of her being assaulted by the stepfather and then the stepmother separately. You know, kicked down the stairs of things, but that was allegations. We don't know what happened to that. But these days, she's said to be doing very well and married with her own children, as far as I can find, and I believe she's written a book. And for the month of October, we are going to be doing spooky episodes. We're going to continue doing it. We had difficulty choosing what we're going to do because how much you want to follow something that is actually supernatural or something that's got supernatural leanings. Because if it's something funky like the Blair Witch Project, right? Is it true? Is it not? Da, da, da. No, that's lame. We're not, not going to do that. It wants, I want it to be something that's true, but it's got something funky going on. So yes. stuff like vampirism werewolves and yes. spooky haunted houses that aren't spooky or haunted houses that are owned by fucking nutters and that's why it's creepy and weird yes definitely uh, if anyone's got any ideas for cases that we could cover say we cover that mother could find out about i'm not going to do any of it you can at us on twitter to talk to us oh and i do want to shout out a big thank you to the person this week that did actually suggest a case to me did some brief research on it and i've then carried on doing even more research and definitely going to cover that case. Definitely. It's a swatting case that I, I'm sure I must have heard of, but yeah, that's down, lent me some real stuff to think about. And I also wanted to do a segment at the start, very brief, about Florida Man. People might have heard about it. It's become quite a big meme. You've probably actually read news headlines yourself of Florida Man. If anyone doesn't know, in Florida, you can't, have, you can't put someone's name in the title of the news story. 
So it's always Florida Man. So it always sounds like it's one guy that's done all this crazy shit, like strapped to a fridge, blown into space, comes back with the moon. It's weird stuff like that. It's better to do it at the start, I think, because it's more lighthearted, so we can't talk about someone that's been brutally murdered and skinned and eaten, and then talk about, oh, did you know a man got bitten by an alligator that he then got drunk with? <laughs> we, 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 can't, we can't do that. Florida man steals monkey, goes to motel, wakes up covered in peanut butter, there are sirens going on. No. That's but, a little bit too specific, Cameron. No, that stuff, it's Florida man's fucking weird. One of them was like, Florida man arrested for hitting girl with flagpole at Trump rally. Why does that happen? Uh, yeah, I've, there, I've, there's there's Florida man, there's Poland man, and there's like I think Russia man. There's the Germany one as well. You're only ever allowed to be known by your first name and your surname initial. In Germany, yeah, yeah, but in Florida, they're fucking crazy. Russians are just constantly drunk, hairy werewolf people, <laughs> and Poland <laughs> is probably the same. I think to be honest. But, yeah, yeah. He's trying to have a little bit of fun before it gets very very dark because sometimes you do need that. But I don't want it to be too waffly because I know that people listening don't want to hear too much stuff about personal life because that's not why that's not why you listen to a niche no. podcast about true crime that are hosted by a mother and son team. Is that really that rare? It was when we started it. There's been quite We've a few. We've not exactly fucking kicked off the genre, have we? <laughs> there are us. there are other ones that I know where there are things that like there's a daughter and a father. There's a husband and wife one that's very very big now. But yeah, we're still reasonably niche. And that is the end of this week's case. I'd like to recap with the victims. Tina Harriman, 32. Cody Maynard, aged 11. Stephanie Sprang, aged 41. The dog, unknown. The survivor, Tina's daughter, aged 13. So that's the end of the podcast. Keep it freaky and we'll see you next time. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Murder Me Monday Podcast. Say bye. Bye. It's not just me. Say bye. <laughs> bye. I'm sick. And I'm Cameron.